Hey, uh, so tell me if anybody else is familiar with this experience. You're driving down the road, and you're tooling along 60 miles an hour, and you see someone on the shoulder. And they look like they're broken down. It looks like a family, actually. And you kind of get this instant prompting like, you should help them. And you're thinking, oh, I, I should get over there. But, you know, there's traffic. You're going 60 and a 45, and, and you're like, Wah. Uh, so you think about it a little bit, and, and you wonder, and then, you, you know, the sensible part says, well, maybe they're having a picnic, or maybe they'll hit me over the head with a tire iron, or I don't know, and you start to second guess and think a little bit more, and by the time you actually have a chance to say, you know, I really should help them, you're whizzing by them, and then you spend like the, the next quarter mile, you're looking in the rear view mirror and the side view, just kind of see, like, oh, are they okay, and should I have stopped, and you second guess yourself, it no matter, you missed it. You missed the opportunity. You knew you could have made it, but you, you hesitated. Or you're in Stop and Shop, and you turn the corner, and you're you know, going from the produce to kind of like the cereal aisle there, and there's a, there's a mom, and she, she's got a crying baby, and she looks a little harried and hassled, and there's a couple other kids running around there, you know, playing with the you know, Cocoa Krispies, and, and uh, you're thinking, gosh, this lady just needs a second set of hands. And you think about going to help her, but then you go, uh... I don't want to intrude, right? I don't want to stick my nose in where it's not welcome. And, but she sure could. And you, you second guess and you think about it and you wait and you hesitate. And you're just about to get the nerve to go help this lady. And she lashes out at one of her other kids, right? Screams at him and you kind of back off like, whoa, I'm glad I didn't step into that mess. But you knew if you had gone when you got that first prompting, you could have helped this family avoid a pretty ugly situation. Or maybe you walked in here and you saw that person over there alone. You know, look, they're looking around, but clearly they're not real comfortable. They're all alone. And something inside you said, hey, go welcome them. Go say something. Go make small talk. Anything. Go do something. But you know what? You go, ah, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want to look weird. I don't want this to be awkward. He probably's fine. And you start to do this little dialogue. And then... Uh, by the time you get the, your nerve up, now you've rehearsed what you're going to say, you look over, and he's gone. You know what happens next? In each of these situations, you kick yourself. You kick yourself like I kick myself, because you know you hesitated, you waited, and you missed the opportunity. You could have made a difference, but you thought, had to think about it. You waited and hesitated. I mean, don't you hate that? Opportunities all around us. Opportunities to help and to serve and to bless people. Opportunities to bring the, the love of Christ, what we say we have in us, to a situation. And you and I hesitate. We wait. Doesn't matter. It can be the, the stranded one or the hurting one or the mom with the crying baby or the one all alone. You and I usually hesitate. Tons of opportunities to, to serve people and love people and bring the, the light of Christ into a situation and we wait, and we miss the opportunity. And we live with the disappointment, knowing that we missed an opportunity. An opportunity where we could have made a difference, possibly. Maybe God wanted to do something powerful or supernatural through us, but we missed it. We missed it because we waited. Because we hesitated. Well, I'm here to tell you, that changes today. I'm here to serve notice that you have a green light from God to step into this kind of situation and countless others like it. To demonstrate his love and his compassion and care to strangers and friends alike. You have a green light from God. There is no doubt 
that God wants you to step into that situation. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to plan your uh, attack. You just need to step into it. The real question is, do you want to? Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. It's page 777 for you. That's a very cool number, I think. I want you to turn there because I am not really adept at PowerPoint, so either you're going to be looking at that header the entire time or you're going to be reading your Bible. Turning your Bible to page 777, Acts chapter 8. While you're getting there, I'm just going to remind you of a couple of truths from Scripture that you should know already, but you might need a little refresher before we open the Word. And the three truths are these. God is for us. I'm here to tell you that God is for us. And not just for fun. In fact, the Scripture says, if He didn't withhold His Son, if He'd sacrifice His Son for us, is there anything He wouldn't do? Is there anything He'd withhold? And the answer is no. Whatever we need, whatever would bless us, whatever would help us, God says, I've already proven I'll give it to you. I'm for you. Second truth is this. God is with us. People think about this. The God of the universe who created the world and sustains it as we speak. His Spirit lives in those of us who believe. We carry His power and His presence wherever we go. So we are totally equipped for every situation. We are totally ready to step into any opportunity that God gives us because He is with us. He is for us. He is with us. And He wants to use us. In fact, Scripture says we are His ambassadors as though God is making His appeal through us. To be his hands and feet, to represent him in any and every situation. We are to bring hope and healing to hurting people. God is for us, God is with us, and God wants to use us. We're his ambassadors. The question is, do you believe it? See, because if you believed it, if I believed it, I would know that I owe people an encounter with this God, the God that resides in me. Because I bring His love and His power and His presence wherever I go. There's no doubt that this situation will be improved by me stepping in with the love of Christ. So, why do you hesitate? Why do I hesitate? I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? In fact, God posed the question like this to me. So I'm going to pose it to you because it's been bugging me for weeks now. God said this. He says, are you willing to be the natural part of me doing something supernatural? Are you willing to be the natural part of me doing something supernatural through you? All you've got to do is be the natural part. I'll do the supernatural. Are you willing? Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. I'm going to read. You can read along. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. I've got to stop here, because I'm, I'm already convicted and guilty enough. Because I know what I do. What do you do when God gives you a word? He gives you instruction. He calls you to do something, but he's short on the details. Because I know what I do. I hesitate. I wait. I think about it a lot. 
I ask God for confirmation and qualifiers and details. Like, who do you want me to say something to and what should I say? I want all sorts of details. I want to know exactly what I'm supposed to do before I'll step out in obedience. And then I read this passage. I mean, does Philip respond like I do to promptings? Does he respond like you normally do? I mean, let's look at the action for just a moment. Philip hears an angel of the Lord tell him to go down to a road, a des- the desert road. It does have a name. But this is a 50-mile stretch of road from centrally located Jerusalem to the city of Gaza, which is on the Mediterranean coast. 50 miles. God says, go there. It's the equivalent of me telling you, hey, Tony, I'll meet you on 95. You go there. Between, you know, between Fairfield and Manhattan. Just go there. I mean, you say, that's, that's ludicrous, isn't it? I, mean, I need some detail. Well, that's what God asked Philip to do. He says, go to the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Look at Philip's response in verse 27. So he started out. I mean, get this. Philip obeys. He starts out. No detail. No particular town or time or task specified. He just goes. He obeys God, even though there's not complete information. There's not full detail. Doesn't even know what he's supposed to do yet. And yet he obeys. He obeys without complete information. I don't know about you. I find that very difficult to do. Like I said, I want qualifiers. I want to know what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to do it, to who. God, make that clear and I'll do it. I give him the kind of if-then statement. You see Philip doing that here? Most of us hesitate because we don't have enough detail. And we miss the opportunity. Philip does not. Philip obeys. And it gets better. On his way... Philip meets this important official. Important because he's in charge of the entire treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. This guy, this is a big, important position. This guy is rich and he's powerful. I've never met one, but guys in chariots, got to be pretty intimidating, don't you think? I'm thinking about getting one when when Ken will pay me a little more money. I'm thinking of the chariots. Got to be very intimidating. Guys in chariots, especially to a fisherman from Galilee. Can you imagine... The difference in status. Not only is this guy a big, important official, he is serious and focused and and disciplined in what he does. He's made that clear already by some personal sacrifice in his own body to be one of the go-to guys of the queen. This guy is serious about his role, serious about his task. That's rather intimidating as well. Philip's got to be intimidated. I mean, guys, fishermen from Galilee do not run in the same circles as foreign officials who ride around in chariots. And look what God tells Philip to do. Verse 29. The Spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. That's it. That's all the further detail that God gives to Philip. No details about what to do, when to do it, who to do it to, what to say. I don't know about you, but I need a few more details than go to that chariot and stay near it before I'll obey. I'd want more information before I'd move. Look what Philip does. Verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. I mean, are you kidding me? He runs into the situation. He runs toward the chariot where there's this big, important official, and he's a lowly fisherman. Are you kidding me? Do you you know what kind of courage and guts that takes? Do you know what kind of confidence that would take? I mean, he goes into this intimidating situation without hesitation. 
No details demanded, no qualifiers, no specifics, except stay near that chariot over there. Here's what I know. You only run into an opportunity like this when you're convinced that God's going to show up. You only run into an opportunity like this when you're equally convinced that God wants you, that He wants to use you as the ambassador of His presence, that you're going to be the one He's going to move through and work through. You know what you have to be confident of? You have to be absolutely convinced that God is for you, that God is with you, and that God wants to use you as His ambassador. That's the only way you'll step into a situ situation like this. Without details, without specifics. Go to the desert road, stand near that chariot, and He does it? That's because He's convinced of who God is and what He wants to do already. He doesn't need more details to convince Him. So Philip obeys God. He goes down to this stretch of road, this 50-mile stretch. He just obeys. He starts out. He then gets directed to go stand near that chariot. He stands near the chariot. Get this. Without any further instruction from God, Philip initiates a conversation with this official because he overhears the guy reading from the book of Isaiah. Look at the end of verse 30. Philip asks the guy in the chariot, do you understand what you're reading? It's a simple question, really. But this is the acid test of trust and obedience for Philip. In fact, this is Philip's big step of obedience. The other two were small ones. This is the big one. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asks. See, Philip was looking for an opportunity to insert Christ into this circumstance. Philip saw an opportunity to bless this guy, to tell him about the Savior that the guy's reading about from the book of Isaiah. He was just looking for the opportunity and he steps in. He steps in and he risks awkwardness and misunderstanding. He risks looking foolish and possible rejection. In fact, it's the exact same risks and fears that you and I have to face when we see a mother with a crying baby or a stranded traveler or a guy standing alone. The exact same fears that we have, the exact same questions, and Philip steps into it because he knows the love and power of God goes with him. The presence of God comes in to bless the situation, and so he's fearless. It's the same fears you and I face. Philip, he nails it. He asks the question. Guess what happens next? He gets invited up into the chariot. He leads the guy to Christ right there using the very passage he's reading from. I mean, think about telling your wife about this over dinner. I, I, I dream about this. Hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, I led some dude to Christ in a chariot. That was pretty cool. You know? Think about it. I would, be, I would be bragging around these halls all week if I led a guy to Christ in a chariot. This is cool stuff. It's exactly what Philip did. You know why? Because Philip stepped in and said, I'm going to allow God to use me as the natural part of something he's going to do supernaturally. See, when God highlighted uh, a, a, a move of obedience, go to this road, Philip started out. When he highlighted an opportunity, like stand near that chariot, Philip runs into it. No hesitation. And then when see, uh, Philip sees an opportunity just to share Christ, demonstrate Christ into the situation, like tell this guy about the one he's reading about, he steps in and leads the guy to Christ right there. You know, if you and I, we want to be used supernaturally, the formula's right here. Philip demonstrates it right in front of us. 
Obey without complete information. Run into that opportunity where you don't know exactly what you're supposed to do. And then trust God to show up as you initiate or insert Jesus into the conversation or the situation. Obey without complete information. Run into the opportunity. Do not hesitate. And then look for a way to initiate or or start a conversation about Jesus. And then trust God to show up. Because if you do that, He will. He will. It's that simple. You have a green light. And for those of you who want a word from God or a sign from God about should I do, should I or shouldn't I in this situation, we're going to answer that question this morning. We're going to take care of business here because I'm convinced that God wants you to step into just about every opportunity that he, put, he puts in front of you. In fact, you can consider this your word from God. Does a sick person need prayer? Yes. Does a stranded person need help? Yes. Does a lonely person need a friend? Yes. Does the outsider need to be invited in? Yes. Does the empty person need to be filled? Yes. Does the wounded person need a caring touch? Yes. Does the person in bondage need freedom? Yes. Does that sinner over there need to be introduced to the Savior? Yes. Who better than you to do it? I mean, like, what are you waiting for? You have a green light. No further information or confirmation needed. God's saying, I'm giving it to you. You know why? Because God says, I'm for you, I'm with you, I want to use you. Do not hesitate, God says. So the next time you see someone in one of these situations, or countless others like it, probably today, certainly this week, where you can step in and you can demonstrate the love of Christ to somebody, here's your answer. Yes, do it. Yes, step in. Yes, do not hesitate. And that's God speaking. I'm just, I'm just sharing His Word with you. Do not hesitate, people. God's looking for you to use you. You just got to quit thinking about it and obey. You can be the natural part of God doing something supernatural if you don't hesitate. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family decided to go to the mall for lunch. Hot day. We're going to go for a quick lunch. We actually have just a short amount of time to go back to a full afternoon of activity. So we head to the mall. And um, we go to get lunch. Uh, everybody gets what they want, right, at the food court. But we go with the intention of, hey, we're, we ask God to say, give us someone to pray for, someone to bless. We want to be the natural part of God, of you doing something supernatural. That was our, our corporate prayer. So we went with our eyes open and say, okay, God, if you give us an opportunity, we're available. Now, we weren't the only ones who went to the mall on this hot, sticky Saturday afternoon. In fact... I've never seen them all so crowded. It was teeming with people. It was unbelievably full. So we go in and uh, we go to the food court. And we are, I'm not kidding you, we're, we have, we're in lines. I mean, this thing is it's packed around here. In fact, when we ate our lunch, there were no chairs available. No tables, no chairs. We had to stand at like this counter and eat your lunch kind of at the counter. Anybody else do that? Guys prefer to do this. I actually like eating my Burrito Supreme at the counter, right? Standing and eating. I get two things done at once. I love it, right? My son is next to me. The girls went to get something else over here. In fact, we are shoulder to shoulder, even at this counter. I'm trying to get some elbow space to eat my lunch with the guy over here and my son. So we're eating our lunch. And I remember eating, and I'm, I'm watching these two young teenage girls, and they pray over this other young woman. And I'm getting inspired. It was like, it was so encouraging for me while I'm eating my lunch to see these two teenage girls initiated prayer over this woman on crutches. And 
I thought I was talking to my son. Apparently I was talking to no one in particular because I said, yeah, to the great embarrassment of my kids, by the way, I do this quite often, they tell me. I was like, how cool is that? How cool is that to see those teenage girls praying for that? Isn't that awesome? And I, I turn over here thinking my son's over here. He's actually over here. And, and the voice over here goes, I could use some prayer. Just like that. And I'm like, huh, what? I... And I was like, uh, uh, what do you need prayer for? Right? There's my introduction. Could it be any easier? And so the guy says, um, I got some big decisions to make. I'm really concerned about my future. I don't know what to do. I really need some direction for my future. So we're with a, a friend as well. So I call my son and our friend and, and, and uh, I go, well, we'll pray for you. And the guy's like, oh, good. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And thinking we're going to leave. So I put my hand on boom like this, right? <laughs> my buddy gets on the other side. Boom, you know. It's laying on his hands. We were just trying not to let him get away, right? So we're holding on to him. And he's like, you know, looking a little bit like, what? I mean, when I tell you the food court is packed, people are jostling us as we're trying to pray for this. So we pray out loud for this guy. And he closes his eyes, I think because he was either humiliated and embarrassed, or he thought it was the right thing to do when you pray. So we prayed for him. We prayed about his future and God give him direction. We have no clue what he's even talking about. We just prayed what he told us to pray for. Pray for him. We finished praying, and uh, the guy kind of looks at us and he goes, wow, that was weird. <laughs> Again, not the reaction I was looking for, but... And we're like, huh? And he goes, that's never happened before. We're like, what? And he goes, while you guys were praying for me, he goes, I got this picture in my head. Because it's so weird. He goes, it was me. He goes, I was in a boat and I was stepping out of a boat onto water. And he goes, and I knew it was me because I looked down. It was my foot. I recognized my foot. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know what's really wild? He goes, I know what that means. I know what I'm supposed to do now. I know the decision I've been putting off making. He goes, God just showed me. And we're like, really? I mean, we're like, really? It's like, yeah. He goes, God showed me. He goes, thank you. And we're like... All right. You know, we're like this. So now, now my faith is like fired up, right? I've seen these two teenage girls pray over this woman on crutch. I was like, it, it kind of inspired me. We pray over this guy and, he, and God gives him a picture about his future. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And I'm like, God, give us someone else to pray for. Right now I'm looking for people, right? Now I'm like, all right. All right, our next victim, you know. And, uh, and so I kind of look around and I go, give us someone who's really hurting. Give us someone who's really desperate. Give us someone in a wheelchair. That was, that was my prayer. Now, I, I whispered it because I know it's kind of a stupid prayer. It's stupid on two counts. Number one, I was doing it because my rationale was I wanted to see God do something amazing, right? As if giving a guy a picture about his future there in the... In the middle of the food court, on the most crowded, hottest day of the summer, was not amazing enough. And I'm looking for more. Second reason it's stupid is because if God gave me what I asked for, someone in a wheelchair, I wouldn't know what to do or what to say anyway. Right? So I knew it was stupid, so thankfully I didn't say it out loud, but I did say it. And I'm like, all right, I'm looking around saying, give us someone like that. That would be awesome. 
So I look, nobody in our vicinity, but I'm kind of on the prowl now, but it's time to go. My son goes, ah, we're late. And so we go, ah, we got to go. So we start to head out. So I'm thinking, all right, man, we have, we're leaving. And I said, well, maybe, maybe someone on the way out, God. Give us somebody, anybody at this point. And we're going out the mall, and we actually parked outside of J.C. Penney, so we're cutting through J.C. Penney, and I can see the exit door. It's closer than that back door there, about 150 feet away. And I'm like, oh, we're almost out into the, the, the parking lot. I'm like, oh, well. And uh, we take this last corner because we're walking down the main aisle, but I figured there's a shortcut through the women's clothing section here. And so we take this little jog, and right there, right in the middle of our intersection, between this little aisle and the clothes racks, is an old guy. He's sitting in a wheelchair. And I'm so tempted to tell my family my stupid prayer, right? I was so tempted to say, I pray. Instead, I said, we got to pray for this guy. I didn't tell him why, but my, my son's like, Dad, we're late. And I go, I, we're praying for this guy, right? So we stop and we pray for this guy. And uh, again, I don't really know what I'm going to say to this guy. I told you, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I walk right up to the guy. Probably a little too close. Probably a little too loud for this stranger. But I'm like walking right over him and I go, uh, and again, I don't know what to say yet. So I go, hey, has anybody prayed for you today? My family, we want to pray for you. And he looks up and he is totally like confused and a little bit you know, embarrassed. And he says, uh, no hablo inglés. <laughs> well, now I'm confused and embarrassed. And I, I blurt out, no problem, no hablo espanol, right? So, I don't know how that helps, but that's what I said, right? Well, thankfully, 16-year-old granddaughter is right over here shopping with grandpa. And she sees two old guys who don't know how to communicate to each other. So she steps in to be our interpreter. And so I said to her, I go, hey, can you tell your grandfather we want to pray for him? Can you ask him if we could pray? And so she speaks to him in Spanish right there. And uh, grandpa says... No. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're in a wheelchair for crying out loud. Think of something we can pray for, right? He goes, no. And he said something to his granddaughter. And he goes, but my wife, she needs prayer. Now, she said it to the granddaughter, but he pointed. And he's pointing to grandma, who's over there inspecting some blouses. And she's pretty interested in the one that she's got draped over her hands. I can see it. She's right over there. About 15 feet away. So before I can let these people get away, we walk over there. I bring my family with us, and we walk towards Grandma. And I say to Grandma, I said, hey, your husband just told us to come pray for you. It was mostly true. You know, I, I want a little... And uh, I can see she doesn't speak English either. Thankfully, daughter-in-law is shopping with Grandma over here. She's going to be our interpreter now with Grandma. So I look at daughter-in-law, and I say, is there anything in particular we can pray for? And daughter-in-law says, well, she has arthritis really bad. And so I'm thinking, okay, arthritis. Not what I was hoping for. Not what I really was going for. But So I nest my family, hey, we're going to pray for grandma's arthritis, right? So we kind of march over there. And uh, we surround grandma in the uh, women's clothing section. And so I, I go over to grandma, and I, I look at her, and I get in front of her. She's a little thing. And I, I grab her hands from underneath the blouse she's inspecting. And then I realize just how bad her arthritis is. Because I take these crippled, broken, twisted hands into mine. Now, 
now I get why she had this blouse draped over her arms, right? And so I take them and I'm like, I grab them and she looks at me with fear in her eyes. It was shock that a complete stranger was touching her hands, her broken hands, and probably embarrassment to be sure, because she couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't either, but I didn't let on, so I'm holding on to her hands there. And uh, I look into her eyes and I could tell everything she was thinking by her eyes. She was thinking, these hands, they are so broken, they are so ugly, they are my greatest pain and my greatest shame. I don't want anybody to see them, much less touch them. They make me untouchable. That's, I could see it. I could see it as I held her. And, and her eyes start to fill up with tears. And I'm trying to keep mine from going that way. And uh, she just kind of gently bows her head. And I don't know if it was out of complete shame or if she was ready for me to pray for her. Well, I took the opportunity to pray for her. But I can tell you this, I didn't close my eyes. I didn't close my eyes. You know why? I'm actually believing that God's going to take broken, twisted hands and straighten these fingers and heal this lady right in front of me. So I am not going to miss a thing. So I pray with, I'm not even blinking, right? I got my eyes wide open on her hands as I hold them. And I pray for, I don't even know what I prayed. I don't even know what I prayed, but I can tell you this. I know what God was saying to me while I'm praying for her brokenness. He said, I just need someone with my spirit in them. To touch this woman, to touch touch her in her brokenness, to touch her with love and compassion. And if you touch her in her broken place, I will heal her. I will heal her in her broken, twisted places, places you can't see. But just know while you're praying, I'm healing her. I heard that in my head while I'm praying for grandma. So I say amen, and I'm, I'm still looking at these hands, no change. But I look at grandma... And her countenance has changed. And I'm like, wow, she's a different woman. My wife has her hand on grandma's shoulder praying for her. My son and our friend have grandma, and they're praying with outstretched arms like this, right there in the clothing section. Other people are kind of like, what's going on there? And we're praying over this. Like, we got her surrounded. Daughter-in-law is bawling right here. Son-in-law has come running up to me. He starts to shake my hand to thank me about what we were doing, Right? I look over and there's my daughter. She's praying over 16-year-old granddaughter. Got her hand on her and they're praying over there. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. I look over at Grandpa and he's standing up out of the wheelchair. He's standing up. And my heart starts to beat like really fast. And I go, oh my gosh, we didn't even pray for this guy. And so I start to walk towards him. Because I don't know what I'm going to do, but maybe hug him. He looks a little unstable. I might maybe stabilize him. I don't know what. I'm walking over. And I'm not kidding you. I, I am like starting to shake a little bit. And uh, granddaughter has stopped praying with, with my daughter at this point, And she sees something in my eyes. And she says, uh, uh, the wheelchair, it's not my grandpa's. He was just taking a little rest in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> he was taking a little rest. She said, but it really belongs to my grandmother. And I got a big lump in my throat, kind of like I do now, because I remembered my stupid prayer. 
I remember that silly, foolish prayer about, God, give us someone who's really desperate, really needy, really broken, so she can be touched by the Savior's love. That's exactly what he did. You know why? Because he's for us, he is with us, and he wants to use us. You don't need to know what you're doing. And God says, if you step in, I will show up. If you step up, I will show up. God longs to do it. He desires to do it. We just need to not hesitate. Just do it. And watch what God does. He will be faithful to show up if we're willing to step in and let Him use us. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a closing song, actually. But before we do, I need to remind you That scripture says that today is the day of salvation. It never talks about hesitating or waiting. It's like now, today is the day of salvation. And God is speaking to each of us. I know he is. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. He's in this place. And to some he's saying, you've got to come to me. You have to come to me and get forgiveness for your sin and your shame. Come today. Get prayed for. Get prayed over this morning. I'm here. I'm present. Take care of business today. Do not hesitate. To some, he says, you're isolated and alone. You've been drifting in your isolation. Get connected today. No more fooling around. Get connected in community today. Do not wait. Do not put it off. You know, to others, he says, I'm about to take this church on its greatest adventure in its history. And you're waiting around to see maybe you should get involved. And he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, people? He says, I want to build my church and build my kingdom, and you're waiting? You're not sure what you should do? He's like, get in. Step up. Get involved. There's places to serve, and you're needed. He wants to use you people. Today. Man, sign up today. It doesn't matter if you know what you're going to do. Just say, I'm in. I want to be used. God's saying that to you. And then to all of us, I know he's saying this. He's like, what part of this don't you understand? I am for you. I am with you. I want to use you. I'm going to give you situations today and this week for you to step in and demonstrate the love of Christ. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Because I am there with you. I'll show up if you'll step up. That's my guarantee. That's what God is saying to us. And you know why I know that? Because I'm convinced that God is for us, God is with us, and He will use you. He's done it with me, He'll do it with you. Guaranteed. I'm going to help you get started. I'm going to help you get started right now. So here's how we're going to start. Here's going to start your life of blessing people and stepping in and maybe being a little uncomfortable. We're going to do it because I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to to bless the person next to you. I want you to reach out and put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you right now. Everybody, put your hand on their shoulder. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to pray a simple prayer of blessing. But just know that God says, hey, I'm inside those who, who trust me and love me. And I will do, I will act on this prayer. So you pray this. Say, God, you're speaking to us. I want you to bless the person on my right and left. God, I want you to give them the courage to step out in obedience without complete information. I want you to use them in opportunities this week. And God, I just say, use us because we want to demonstrate the love of Christ to a broken world. 
bless my friend today. May they know your presence and your comfort. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.